we continue in a series called The Rest of Grace. This comes from the idea of discovering who we are in Christ, learning to rest in Christ. But now what? How do we move on? Resting in Christ does not mean passive nothingness. But it's active obedience. And what does it look like to work from rest so that it's not self-doing, but God-inspired, God-driven, and God-energized, uh, life-giving doing that he wants to do through us? Well, today I want to continue with what I started with last week or two weeks ago. I found this quote from Hudson Taylor. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked him if I might help him. I ended up by asking him to do his work through me. The source. We cannot forget the source of all who we are and what drives us. The source is a person. His name is Jesus. Too many times we focus on here, uh, God help me do something for you. Jesus never prayed that to his father. Not once. That's good news. He trusted the love and power of the Father in him to, to minister out through him to others as he walked and went along. Isaiah 61 is our key text. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair, for the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities long ago destroyed. They'll revive them, though they have been empty for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks, plow your fields, tend your vineyards. You'll be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will be fed with the treasures of the nations and will boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will inherit a double portion of prosperity and everlasting joy. What is our goal to be then? What is our goal in life? I think as a Christian, our life goal is to be that of knowing your Father intimately through Jesus Christ. This will be an awesome affirmation as we walk through this series. I hope you'll catch the power of certain lines all through this text. This will be the primary text for a while. So the first key in living out the rest of your lives and living, learning how to rest in Christ is realize and rest in your identity. And we covered part one last week and today we cover part two of this. Then we're going to look at this idea of discovering and develop your abilities. Then, oops, and then accept and appropriate good news. Experience and express a grace-based outlook and then what does supernatural lifestyle look like? These are going to be very, very, very practical. It's not going to be all, you know, you know how you have themes of theology. This is what the Bible says about this. Well, you should be able to walk away with some application. God's going to show you how this applies to your life. I can't tell you. He can. That's good news. So the first key is to rest in your identity. For the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is the key verse for this. The realization that he is on you, that he's in you. You've got to get this first. This is the beginning of living a life of rest and to live from a place of rest. Philippians is a powerful verse. Whoops, keep going. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. 
That's one translation. The next translation says this, I want to know Christ. And the key word, I believe, is experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And I like what the message says. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I want to, to do this. Our goal is to know him. That's it. There are no other objectives. There's no other goal for the Christian. Nothing else matters by comparison. Our self-driven goals, the ones the world puts on us, are not the goals. Can they be inspired? Absolutely. But know your foundation. Know the root of who you are and who is driving you and who's filling your mind with thoughts. The second element of success. Last week, we, we or two weeks ago, we talked about rejecting the world's system, the world's path. The idea of uh, the pursuit of, of uh, pleasures and provisions, prominence. Those ideas, the idea of a door that the world offers, we're offering instead a grace door. His name is Jesus. And here's a big thing we need to remember. God is for you and wants to bless you because you're His and for no other reason. I grew up believing that God wants to bless me if I believed that because of how good I was. It was a merit system. So if I was good, he would bless me and honor me. If I would give, he would give me back. So there was a, it was a this for that. It was conditional acceptance, conditional blessings. That's not true. He wants to bless you because you're his. Period. And if you can believe this, guess what's going to happen to all your relationships? You're going to start to have the same look on others. They're going to love others just because Christ made them. The judging will go away. It's not your place to judge anyway. It's not your place to condemn. For Christ did not come to condemn the world. And yet, the Christian religion is full of so much condemnation. that does not reflect the living Christ at all. Your heart, your father's heart towards you is filled with the desire to bless you in every conceivable way. Now, <laughs> there, there are ways to receive this. Don't go running ahead. Last week I covered it. You don't go run ahead into your little boxes of, um, he's all about blessing, 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 and, and wants you to be rich, 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 and all that stuff. That's not it. It's better than that. The world has hijacked grace and used it for its own little purposes. He want, God wants to express his love through us, bringing us pleasure, provisions, and even prominence. He does want to do these things. But he's going to do it. He doesn't need your help for you to step up the ladder and get to that spot. This is really hard for my personality. Because we're so used to, especially if you've grown up, trying to gain people's acceptance through how you act because you spend enough time being rejected for the wrong behaviors, you learn to cultivate other ways to get your needs met. That doesn't work with God. He loves and accepts you just the way you are. There's nothing you can do to change God's picture of you. Nothing. Even bad behavior, even horrific behavior, even rebellion does not turn off God. It saddens his heart because that's not how he designed you. But he's crazy about you and will love you anyway, unconditionally. That is good, good news. So on one hand, 
We're asked to renounce the world's idea of goal achieving through trying to get pleasures and provisions and all that stuff. And yet, on the other hand, God's plan for us is to have those things as well. So how can we say, I'm not going to try and get those, and yet God's going to bless us with them? I think the key is looking at who our source is again. It's looking at our provisions Okay, you can have goals and hopes. No problem. In fact, I think those are God-inspired. But remember, he's not asking you to do it in your own strength. As in, okay, thanks God, I got, there's 10 steps. I got three and four. I can do those myself. I don't need you for that. He is the whole process. He is the whole path. He is the one in charge of your business. He's in charge of the success, even in spite of of our man-made ways of trying to get our, get our success going. He can still override that. I've seen God bless well. Somebody thinks they're doing it for God. I don't know how that works. But God is good. And I don't know how it works when we feel it's, it's not success, successful and it crashes and burns. But out of this, the crash and burn is a life lesson. A big one. Reliance. When you can do your work and all your dreaming and leave Christ as the foundation, the orchestrator, the manager of your life direction and business, then whether it fails or succeeds, it's okay. Because your life is not defined by your world's success. Your life is defined by who resides in you. Therein lies the difference. There's a mystery that unbelievers cannot figure out. They can't grasp that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. They can't see it. And by the way, this is not a name it and claim it thing. The prosperity gospel, one that teaches, that reduces God, really, in people's mind to a magic genie. We're not talking about that. That thinking is narrow and incomplete. It, it sees the work as our source, not Christ. It's performance-based acceptance. And it, it forces God's hand, apparently, as if you really can. You know, God has to do this now. He must. We've claimed it this way. We've said it this way. We've done all these prayers. We've done, we've done the list. Now God must. We declare. We, what's, the word, what's the phrase people use? I claim it. Ooh, I grew up with that. I claim it. What? what? You claim what? The only thing you can claim is the life of Christ in you. Period. And by the way, that's enough. If that isn't, something's wrong and you're not seeing the salvation you possess properly. You see it as incomplete if there's more that is required. And yet, as he places a dream in you, a desire, you can humbly project that and say, I believe this is from the Lord. Be careful how you proclaim it. The whole phraseology of God told me so... Can you keep it calm? Many people know how to shut down arguments and challenges. Well, God told me. Well, then our conversation is done because I can't argue with that. Because I don't know if he really did or didn't. It's not up to me to know it. But as soon as you throw that in, you've just laid the trump card. The joker. The one that trumps everything. And there's no more healthy discussion. Does God tell us to stuff? Yes, he does. But there are safer relational ways to share that. 
Stuff like, I really believe God has shared in my heart and in my mind this direction. This is what the goal that he's laid on my heart. This is the conviction of what I have. That's a whole lot better than saying, God told me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is about loving one another and helping one another to engage in healthy conversation of learn, learning how to tune in the Holy Spirit. There are some people who hear God very differently than, than us or other people. Like it, there are no rules to this. Some hear very clearly. Others, man, it's a struggle. I, I need somebody else to interpret that. I can't figure it out. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need relationships. That's why we need conversation. A piece of advice. We don't tell God what he must do. He declares what he has done. And when we believe it, we begin to hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we have clear direction. And the direction that I have learned so far in my limited experience is peace is the foundation. Peace to move ahead or not to. Sometimes you got nothing, you don't move ahead. But I'll lose the opportunity. Uh, can't answer that. That's your call. And if you're not sure and you move ahead, trusting Christ the entire time, then trust him. There's no cookie cutter answer for this. I can't give it to you. Because then you rely on the answer, not on the person. I refuse to do that. Having said this, I do believe that many people in the evangelical church, because of extreme teaching on one side or the other in some circles, when it comes to the idea of God's desire to bless us, they have taken it and are afraid of the crazies. The ones that have unrealistically proclaimed it and don't make any sense. And as a result, they become gun-shy and they go to the exact opposite spectrum and lose out on the benefits of what God really does want to do. Don't become gun-shy. Some have come to see it as a slippery slope that inevitably leads to error and carnality. So they run from this truth for fear they're going to somehow get out of line. Who's in charge of keeping you in line? I've had people tell me, oh, you're going down a slippery slope in your theology. Oh, you're going down a slippery slope in what you're teaching. I'm thinking, really? Slippery slope? Um, whose slope is it? Good thing nobody's in the front row. <laughs> I was thinking of getting clear umbrellas. But anyway, whose slope is it? And really, how can you really say that? Because you're implying the Holy Spirit's not big enough to get my attention. I don't say to anybody else either because I know the Holy Spirit is guiding and teaching. He is your guide. There isn't a slippery slope. He is the slope. And I trust Him. Even if people seem to go really off in what I would conceive as error, not my job. If they want to ask, I'll give them my opinion. But I don't call them out on it. Not unless I have a good relationship with them. And maybe they need to see that, that whatever it is they're learning, because God's going to show them an error, so when they come back to center, they're going to say, okay, that was the extreme. There are extremes. But don't let the idea of fear rob you of the biblical reality that God does want to bless you. That is good news. Isaiah. Oops. Isaiah says here, the evidence that is there. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. This is the key. You need to know who you are. This is an awesome story. In 2 Kings, 
Perspective matters, folks. Perspective is huge. Uh-oh. How did I jump ahead? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Second Kings and Elisha. Perspective. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Here is the, the short story. Elisha is on top of a city that's just been surrounded. Absolute defeat is imminent. They're going to be starved out. They were done, toast, feeny, whatever you want to call it. And the servant said, we're going to die. And Elisha asked God, open the eyes of the servant because he's seeing things with a human eye. And when the Holy Spirit opened the servant's eyes to see the spiritual realm, folks, he saw an even greater army. What you see is not what you get. Belief is not based on what you see. Or you can at least question what you see. Are you seeing through a spiritual lens? Do you really know the future? I doubt it. Will you trust your Heavenly Father? Maybe He's got a plan going on behind the scenes that you know nothing about. One looked through a natural lens, and then the eyes were opened, and he started to see through a supernatural lens. You and I are supernatural beings. Do you know that? Your body is not who you are. Your spirit, your oneness with Christ is who you are. This is really, really, really important. We must learn to live from a better source, a source that is divine life. God has even given you his very mind. Did you know that? He's given you his thoughts. How do we know this? Let's take a look. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16, out of the message. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by Spirit. God's Spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's Spirit, anyone who knows what he is doing, has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's Spirit, or we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. We keep saying Jesus wants to live his life through us, but he also wants to think his thoughts through us. Can we slow down in our lives to contemplate and receive those thoughts? Or are we so busy, and I'm totally not looking in the mirror, are we so busy and uh, not able to slow down and hear what he could be thinking through us? Are we missing things he's wanting us to see? Other people who need loving that we've passed over because we're so busy zipping along. Only the Holy Spirit can answer that for you. I believe it's in those connections that God redirects us. I'll pick on Terry for a minute in his real estate business. He has no idea who he's going to meet from day to day. At all. And you're going to bump into people that God directed to you. And he may never mention a single thing about Jesus. But the love of Christ will affect that person. You have no idea. 
You may never see the outcome of it. Is that okay with you? Or do you have to have a little tally list? Well, today I preached to this person and I told this person about the love of Christ. I put two tracks in that shopping cart and they didn't even see me. You know, like, really? My mom used to do that. It's crazy. Now I look at those tracks and I'm thinking, what were we saying? Because half of them are all condemnation and lies. They mean well, but they're garbage. They do not speak grace and love. I hate it. I won't do that anymore. We are not immune to mistakes. But as we increasingly learn to trust the guidance of God's Spirit, we find ourselves making greater advances with greater confidence in Him. If you can begin to trust God, even in the little things, the trust will build that He will carry through. Secondly, you're going to learn to recognize His voice more often. If you're not a believer this morning... It may be Jesus is drawing you to himself to reveal his amazing love. Do you care about spiritual things? Because many people don't. Do you find yourself often thinking about God? Wonder why. Are spiritual things important to you? You need to ask why. The difference between believers and unbelievers, a believer will recognize God's grace. And even unbelievers, all you need to do is believe. Respond to the pull of God drawing you to himself. Just say to him, okay, I got it, I believe. Now help me understand what all this means. Respond to him. You'll learn to rely on somebody that's far greater than you and knows your future and has everything held in his hands. And you can trust him. He sought you out and has transformed you on the inside out. You aren't who you used to be, folks. Stop thinking. Christians, believers, stop thinking like the world. Stop living like them who don't know spiritual things, who don't know the living Christ, and they're acting out of what they don't know. Start living out of who you do know. It changes everything. Every breath I breathe, Isaiah said, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The word Spirit could easily and accurately be translated as breath. When God created man, he breathed into him the breath of life. And man came alive. The Spirit of God is the breath of God. This is good news. You have an advantage over Isaiah's original audience for one big reason. You live on this side of the cross. The Spirit of the Lord is not upon you. He's in you. Now what I'm discovering is there is empowerment that comes. Even though he's in us, there's, uh, I don't even know the right word. Some call it unction, which is more of a Pentecostal word. But that's okay. The meaning is there. There is empowerment that comes along where you can totally recognize God's doing something pretty cool here, pretty funky, because I'm not making this up. And there it is. Whether it's a connection you've made or just kind of a, wow, this is, this is a God thing. God's showing me something pretty cool. It's above and beyond the normal day-to-day. -day. He wants you to experience that day-to-day. -day. Love this. It's no wonder that Luke said about Jesus in, not Luke, yes, in him we live and move and exist in Acts 17, 28. Not just believers, unbelievers also. They are all, as in all of creation, is being held together by Christ. Okay? 
as it's being held together and all of creation is in him. So technically, all of creation is in him. That's why Paul said this. In him we all live and move and exist. Do not take the wrong rabbit trail, the wrong cubby hole and say, well, then you're saying everybody's a believer and everybody's going to heaven. No. You must believe. Just because that fact is true, let's take a look at what the scripture says. It says it. Deal with it. Don't say what it's not saying. There's enough tension in scripture for us here. Alright? But it's good. It's very good. Then it goes on. For me to live is Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is good news for us today. He's transformed us from the inside out. There's never a need for you to ask him to be with you. Lord, be with me as I go on this trip. Really? Who prays that anymore? Be with us as we worship you today. Of course he's with us. You can instead acknowledge him. Father, thank you that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You're always with me. And we're going on this trip together. So could we have some safety? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I'd love safety. I want a good trip. You know, we've been on enough trips where there wasn't safety. But he's never apart from you. An impossibility. He has promised you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And as a believer, you will experience that. Even in the times when you don't feel it, he's still there. But the only way to believe that is as you grow in trust and intimacy with your Heavenly Father. The more you see him as Jesus sees him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Take a look at the word Lord here. It's capitals. Oh my. Darn. Time is gone. I will come back to this next week. Your homework. Why is that word Lord in capitals? Go research it. All right? There's a reason for it. It's important. How's that for homework? I don't want any homework. <laughs> you don't have to. There's no rules. But I encourage you, look it up. There are so many resources online for you to study your own Bible. Really, no excuse. So have fun with that. And we're going to finish up next week on this part and then move on.